When Jesus issues the invitation, follow me, it is, in essence, an invitation to faithfulness and to perseverance. And it's what we're talking about in these days. We're looking at and unpacking some of what faithfulness looks like. Because when we choose to follow, we choose faithfulness. And what we're looking at in these weeks are, in essence, the, the sub-choices of that faithfulness or the different hues of faithfulness, the, the way that it refracts the light differently, that diamond of faithfulness refracts light differently. As, and we're looking at the facets of the stone. And, and in Psalms 9 to 17, David keeps making the choice for faithfulness in these psalms. And he makes it in spite of the difficulties around him that seem to suggest that maybe faithfulness to God is not the best choice. He makes that choice for faithfulness in a time where he is asking God, where are you? And how are you present with me? And today we look at Psalm 16, and we're looking at how the choice for faithfulness is a choice for a, a definition of boundaries, if you will, the boundaries that we, we place on our lives because we've chosen to be faithful to God. So let's look at the 16th Psalm. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble in whom is all my delight. But those who choose another god multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices and my body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures evermore. Let's pray. As our shepherd, you lead us to verdant pastures. You invite us to the abundance of life and the, the living water that has no end. Help us to patiently walk through that narrow way that leads to that broad and open space. Give us by your spirit the energy, the imagination we need to keep following. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for me, is what the psalmist says. Therefore, I have a, a goodly heritage. The lines, in other words, that define the place where I live, those lines make my life good. Or as my seminary teacher Chuck Corwin would have said, 
My freedom is the result of these limitations. My freedom has found fulfillment because of the limits of these boundaries of faithfulness. It's a principle that we can apply to a lot of different situations in life, actually, the way that freedom finds its ultimate fulfillment through initial limitations. One of the ways that we're applying it in our household these days is the truth that our new guide dog puppy, who is nine weeks old today, finds freedom in her kennel. <laughs> because we find freedom in her kennel as well. But she finds that freedom because for her it is like a den. It is a warm and comforting place. It is a boundaried place where the chaos of the world is something that she can shut out and where she can enjoy life in our presence without the, the distraction of all of the things that a young puppy wants to get into. Freedom finds its ultimate fulfillment through initial limitations. And Wailea is our puppy's name, and Wailea finds freedom in the pleasant boundaries of her kennel. And as we speak of faithfulness in these weeks and as we explore these psalms, we would not be faithful to truth if we did not admit that faithfulness is a form of setting limits. It's a form of restricting ourselves to making relationship with God and staying in relationship with God, a particular kind of boundary within which we live life and we find freedom within that boundary. To be faithful to one God, one person, one family, is to live within a certain set of limits. It is to restrict ourselves. It is to make the choice of reducing our choices. But it's also a choice that opens our lives to a broad and open space that we would not otherwise know. And Psalm 16, I believe, is a song that is an exposition of this truth. It's a song about this choice, if you will, to reduce our choices, to focus in. But it's not just a call to say no to something. It doesn't turn life into a list of prohibitions. Faithfulness is not just about saying no to the things to which we should not be faithful. Faithfulness is actually giving priority to one big yes. And priority to a particular yes, and that is a yes to God. And that, yes, delivers us into a place where the experience of the boundary lines that we have chosen becomes a pleasant experience. But in some ways, we don't choose those boundaries. We choose a relationship, and then we find the boundaries of that relationship to be pleasant, expansive, invitational to something richer than we ever could have had apart from that choice to restrict ourselves in faithfulness to relationship with God. The psalmist says right up at the top, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. Verse 1, you're my refuge. Verse 
5, you're my chosen portion. You are my shelter, in other words. You are my food. It's true that it means that there are things that I will no longer choose. It's true that it means that I am no longer free to dabble in some things if I want to be faithful to this one. But in choosing God, and in choosing you, God, the boundary lines, says the psalmist, have fallen for me in pleasant places. And saying yes to you has made the things that I have had to say no to of far less import than I thought would be true. It's a description of why those boundaries are pleasant as well, Psalm 16. Verse 7 speaks of God's counsel and, and God's instruction. Verse 8 speaks of security that God provides and the presence of God that is steadfast and sure. There's an overall sense of, of well-being that the psalmist celebrates. It's that word shalom that we translate peace, but shalom really means much more than peace. What it means is the satisfaction and contentment of living in God's best, and that's why we're at peace. That overall sense of shalom is very much represented in verse 9 of this psalm. My heart is glad, my soul rejoices, my body rests secure. All of me is in the arms of God, and I find pleasantness within this embrace, which restricts but also liberates. And then at the end, show me the path of life. That's what you do. You show me the path of life. I know where I am going. I have a sure footing for the steps on the journey that I take. There is exclusivity in this text. There are limits that are expounded upon in this text. It's about leading a life that is circumscribed by a primary relationship. But in those exclusivity and in those limits, the psalmist finds that he is being led to life in abundance. It's like those lines that Rose read for us out of the 18th Psalm that we'll be looking at in, in two weeks, that this narrow and constricting place where the waters are up to our neck open up to the broad and open place as God reaches down from on high and pulls us up and places our feet on the solid ground where we explore that new pasture. It's really the same thing that Jesus is saying both in John 10 and in Matthew 7 that we also read this morning. It's about the narrow gate that leads to the sheepfold. The narrow gate that opens into the, the pasture laid out for us by the good shepherd. It's where the boundaries are pleasant within that sheepfold. And this gate can, I suppose, be a bit intimidating. This narrow gate can be intimidating. It can look very narrow and very restricting and very uninviting. And there's not much that we can bring through it. And that's part of the reason. Because if we want to drag a lot of stuff with us, we probably won't walk through it. 
There's not much we can bring through it, and we have to leave some of the things that we are carrying outside in order to get through it. And that limitation can at times seem stultifying and unfair and overly restricted. But what we know on the other side, when our feet are in that pasture, is a freedom that we never could have otherwise imagined. Freedom. Now there's a word for you today, freedom. We're hearing a lot of cries for freedom these days. There's a lot of people on a lot of different sides of a lot of different things casting about that word freedom. It's a kind of battle cry uttered by all sorts of people on all sides of questions when they feel like they are having to push against the boundaries they feel have been imposed on them by the other side, whoever the other side might be. And there isn't just one side that's saying this. Every side is saying this, and every side is wanting freedom, and who can blame them? It's a battle cry, though, in our situation that's born of anger. It's framed by a a quest as well, and that quest is to destroy the culprits who would have taken or might threaten to take our freedom. So when it's fueled by anger and followed by a pledge to destroy the culprits who have taken or threatened to take our freedom, we end up not being free, even if we achieve it for a time. Because the problem with this kind of freedom is no one is ever free. All you ever have is the fight. The fight to protect what you've won or the fight to gain your particular definition of freedom and overthrow the one who's currently denying it to you. You don't have freedom. You've only got fear and a fight. But the freedom of the sheepfold The freedom of the broad and open space of God's love is not something that we fight for. It's not something we win. It's something we're granted. It's something we're granted and something we recognize and awaken to once we're inside that sheepfold, interestingly enough. When one day we, like the psalmist, become aware of the boundary lines that have fallen in those pleasant places. I don't think the battle cry for freedom will get us very far in this course of strife in which we currently find ourselves. What will move us ahead is the choice to enter the narrow gate of humility, of gentleness, and of respect. And I like the way that John O'Donohue puts it in a poem, and I'll end with this. This is the time to be slow. Lie close to the wall until the bitter weather passes. Try, as best you can, not to let the wire brush of doubt scrape from your heart all sense of yourself and your hesitant light. If you remain generous, time will come good. 
and you will find your feet again on fresh pastures of promise where all the air will be kind and blushed with beginning. Let's pray. Lord, may the truth of your steadfast love be the thing that sets us free. Help us by the power of your spirit to be gentle, to be respectful, to be generous, and so allow your spirit to move and heal and equip us to live reflecting your love. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.